With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon and welcome to Empowering Family Caregiver Show on Blog Talk Radio. I'm Meghna Giridhar, your host for today's show sponsored by eCareDiary.com. Today we will talk about supportive counseling for caregiving challenges. To help shed light on this, I'm very pleased to introduce our guest for today, Dr. Fritz Collette. Dr. Collette is a licensed clinical psychologist from Fordham University, practicing in New York City. He has worked in the field of mental health for over 24 years. Dr. Fritz was the host of the AM radio show, Ask Dr. Fritz, broadcasted on WWRL from November 2011 to October 2013, and he's currently producing a cable TV program modeled after the radio show. The TV program has a broad focus on issues relating to psychology, mental health, wellness, social issues, and daily living. Dr. Gillette, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thank you so much for having me on the program. Great. So we have a bunch of questions for you, and um, so I would just like to get started right away. Um, sure. Can you begin by telling us a little bit about where you work? Well, I have an office in Midtown Manhattan on 42nd Street between 6th and Broadway. So I'm right in the center of one of the busiest uh, sections of the city and probably the most visited tourist attraction in the world. But most of my clients are coming from the Fortune 500 companies that are in a 5-10 block square radius of of the office on 42nd Street. How did you get into the field of psychology? Well, that started actually many years ago when I was a high school student and uh, a person had, a friend of mine knew about the psychology class happening at Pace that I could go and I can sit in on the class. And, and once I was in the class, I I got to be exposed to the theories of Freud and, and Pavlov and um, from Freudian psychology to cognitive psychology, behaviorism. And the course was about the application of psychology in everyday life. And I thought it a very fascinating thing to learn about a subject matter and then not only be able to apply it in the field of psychology, but actually be able to apply it in everyday life. And for those who know me in the various roles I've had over the last 20, 25 years, I, I do bring psychology to whatever I do, whether I'm teaching. Um, I, was a math, I was a math teacher for a little bit in the 90s, and I would teach students how to actually use psychology in their everyday life to um, get their parents, mm-hmm. give them more of what they wanted. So sometimes there were a little bit of <laughs> fun ways that I could apply it and to keep them interested in the subject matter. Um, but I've been into psychology ever since. Um, I'm currently as a psychologist working in 42nd Street. I see mm-hmm. many, many people, many clients who are coming in. They might be suffering from anxiety. They might be suffering from depression, relationship issues. Uh, increasingly, I'm also seeing people who are coming in from stress management and life balance reasons because not only are they managing their families, 
and uh, all of those demands, they're also dealing with um, family caregiving issues. They're dealing with aging parents. Uh, like they just like, mm-hmm. an hour or so ago, somebody came to me and said, and these, you know, they've been coming because of a, it's a couple, and they've been coming from a variety of reasons, but they talked about how now they have family caregiving issues as an increasing part of the stressors that are impacting their, their family and their marriage. So can you tell us a little bit more about the kinds of patients you typically treat? All right. So in addition, when I'm working with people who are dealing, for example, with anxiety, um, I do uh, kind of meditation, relaxation work with them. I do some biofeedback and hypnosis. Um, The people I'm working with in the Manhattan office are often high-functioning in the sense that they're able to hold down a job and manage their affairs but the amount of stress and things they're dealing with on a regular basis is more than um, they can feel like they can handle, and they're often looking for effective coping strategies. Um, When I'm working Mm -hmm. with people who are suffering from depression, um, a lot of the work stems around doing some inside-oriented, supportive counseling um, where we help the person uncover some of the experiences or traumas in their background that may be affecting the way that they experience life and perceive perceive life. And so with them, again, I might do some supportive counseling, some psychotherapy, do a little hypnosis. Um, and again, the, those people in the Manhattan office are, are generally working within the area. In my other office, in the Staten Island office, I see people who are often more disabled, they're homebound, so I bet other offices in a residential area. And in a residential area, people tend to, but the employment might be less so. They might not, they might not be able to work. So with them, we're working on some basic functions, life skills, um, maybe even how to look for a job or how to cope with one once they've gotten one. That's a, a big cross-section of what I work with. And I also work with a lot of couples and families. Mm-hmm. Um, across the, both issues, a variety of issues, and, and I also do workshops, seminars, and presentations for both corporations and the private sector and the nonprofit sector. Now, you've been in this field for a really long time. Um, are oh, there boy, any really long time. Issues? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. I, 24 years is really long, and I'm sure your education is not included with 24 years of, um, you know, being on the field, and education takes uh, another few years. You can add to that yes. you've been around forever. Um, so have you seen any special issues that have, you know, that have increased in recent times? Um, I've, you know, I've seen... And I, you say really long time. I still consider myself quite young. So people that are older mm-hmm. or have been around in, in a field for more than 20, 25 years could say maybe things haven't changed as much as we think. But what I have seen is that the amount of uh, distractions that we have in everyday life have increased. Now, the Internet has brought us a, a great opportunity to always have at our fingertips the ability to know something about things that we don't know about. But it's also the technologies have also brought with us all these devices that ring and zing and do all kinds of things when we are trying to uh, do other things and get things done. So interestingly enough, with social media, I've seen people have problems in relationships that they would not have had it not be for social media. I've seen people not be able to disconnect um, and I've seen a lot of stresses around that. So part of also what I help people do is, you know, develop their own personal etiquette 
around how to deal with those technologies so that they're in control of the technology, it's not in control of them. Um, the mm-hmm. upside of what I've seen is that with our ability to use, access the Internet to know things, we can also use it. We can use it to find out a heck of a lot about the things that we know. We can connect to other people um, who are experiencing similar issues, whether uh, it, it is having to do with anxiety, depression, life balance, um, um, it's one of the ways that I got in touch with and got to know a lot of people in the family caregiving arena. So, um, you know, those changes, we're going we're gonna to continue to see over time the evolution mm-hmm. of the technology and our relationship with it. So I'm, I'm happy to be in this time and to be part of uh, being part of dissemination of information as well as being part of an online community that talks about things. When you know when it comes to these specific issues of modern times, what approach do you typically take uh, to help uh, maybe individuals or families or couples um, dealing with this? Well, I'm still relying upon tried and true research-driven um, training and a variety. I'm what they call an eclectic psychologist. I have a formal training in Freudian psychology, cognitive psychology, behavioral psychology, humanistic psychology, um, and there, there are more to you know to name. But I and I'm often going back and getting training in those and retraining in those areas because, at the end of the day, our ability to sit with one another and communicate and um, receive information, share information, and provide emotional support to one another is still one of the most effective ways to help people. So in the end, no matter how much technology we have, being able to sit with somebody, connect with them, empathize with them, understand what they're going through, and even as they're talking and telling their story, um, helping them see what their story looks like and see the connections between their story and, and their greater life, that that is what really, really helps people. So that that's, I mean, in a in a broad stroke, that that's what I'm still all about, and um, I've taken to in the last few years using um, uh, media by having a radio show, by having a cable show, as just a way of extending that, and then being on your program. We we met I think earlier this year, and I was happy to have the opportunity to meet you then and talk to you then, as well as do that now because I know there's a lot of people out there who are listening that derive a lot of great information from your program. And and I want to be part of that process of providing that information and being part of that community where people can get help for the things that they, they need the most. Mm-hmm. You know, how do you see the changing world affecting the nature of the intergenerational family unit in dealing with issues like aging and family caregiving? Mm-hmm. Uh, the, well, the changing world has, as I mentioned already, the, the technology and it, but it, it's you know, it's it's fast paced, and on the a positive side of it, as I've mentioned, it allows us access to and knowledge of other people that are in similar circumstances. We now see corporations adopting family caregiving um, programs, either where they're working with an organization such as yours, or even with major insurance companies, and that information is crucial. One of the ways that I found out about family caregiving, even though I had been a family caregiver myself for the past 10 years, 
was through a, a, a networking opportunity that was created by um, one of the one of the insurance networks. I think you probably were at that event too, where yes. the, one of the speakers, yes, one of the speakers were, was talking about family caregiving. And at that time, I was just starting out with the radio program, and I was there to just network and see if I could get a sponsor. And instead, I became identified with the people that were in the room as someone who is a family caregiver, someone who is providing non-unpaid care to a family member, and at, at, often at great expense and stress, but it's what we do. We take care of our parents. We take care of our family. And it was a it was a great opportunity not only for me to meet the community of the fa- family caregiving, but it was a great opportunity for me to begin to get the information that other people had to share. Um, so. As I as I see things moving forward in the world, this type of work that we're doing, you with this program, and hopefully what I'm doing with my programs is that we're making other people who are in similar circumstances aware of what they could be doing, how they can cope with um, the aging process, taking care of one another, dealing with the stresses of it. Um, you know, all all that these programs are about because. These are things that people have dealt with for for generation after generation, but what's new, what's changed is our ability to connect with those people who may not be right next to us or next door, the people who are in similar circumstances across the country or across the world. And uh, I'm, again, I'm saying I'm kind of, I have a passion for this, really excited to be um, part of that because as someone who had been privately dealing with the family caregiving issue by myself, thinking that, oh, I'm the only one I I know that is dealing with this, it was a breath of fresh air to be able to meet other people that were going through it. And um, one of the trends that we have seen in recent years is that we have family caregivers not only taking care of our elderly, but we have family caregivers taking care of step you know, not stepchildren or taking care of uh, children whose parents may have, for one reason or another, not been there, single-parent households or no-parent households. So these are also, I'm speaking to a lot of changes that I'm seeing, but being part of uh, the process of sharing this information with you is one thing that I'm happy to be a part of. Uh, when it comes to, you know, when it comes specifically to stresses associated with um, family caregiving and elder care, can you suggest um, some tips or strategies that can help uh, people cope with these kinds of stresses? Um, first thing, and this is a very popular within the caregiving community, is we have to be able to name it. We have to be able to identify it. And for me, I had been dealing with that stressor alone for a long time, thinking that I just had to figure it out. I was online watching YouTube videos on how to change a bed with someone who can't get out of it. And so being able mm-hmm. to name myself as a family caregiver opened me up to a whole plethora of people that already knew how to do this stuff that I could talk to directly. Um, and I was able to, you know, find out more directly from people who were going through it. Even in one situation, someone who had gone through it had a special chair, an expensive chair that they no longer needed because their loved one had passed on that it was mine for the taking simply because they, they offered it to me and said that it would make them happy and to that someone else was able to use it. And then I learned about a whole variety of different actual medical techniques that family caregivers have to know about. If you're someone who 
they're dealing with this alone. There's a community of people out there who have actually going through it, have gone through it. And if we don't name it, if we don't know that we're in that situation, we'll, we'll, many people will just suffer through it learning the hard way or not even learning at all what to do with it. So the first thing I suggest to anybody is is listen to programs like this so that you can connect to and learn about that. And then beyond that, um, now the next level is once you've named it, being able to actually connect to, actually connect with those people and involve them in the family caregiving process. Um, and part of that includes getting in touch with all the relatives and friends that are connected to the person in need, the person that needs the caregiving, and organizing some kind of effort to separate and balance the duties because, again, if you're trying to do all of this by yourself, it's too much, generally too much for any one person to do do alone. And many often, more often than not, the family caregiver gets sick themselves trying to take care of every single detail from making all the doctor's appointments to being there for every single part of the process um, and what can end up happening is the impact not only your mental but your physical health. Um, mm-hmm. um, did you have another question beyond that? Because I could probably spend just an hour just talking about the things <laughs> that I first do. I first get people to recognize who they are, okay. where they are in the process, and then I try to get mm-hmm. them to uh, basically um, rally their social support systems around them. And it can be mm-hmm. first their, their spouses, their brothers, their sisters, have a meeting, have a conversation about what needs to be done, who can do what. The mm-hmm. sooner you begin that process, the better off you are in terms of being able to manage it in the long run. Um, we have one last question for you, Dr. Gillette. It's about any resources that you could recommend, um, resources in terms of organizations or um, any other resources that you could uh, suggest that could help people with the coping process when it comes to family caregiving? Well, I'll start with, um, and I get nothing for this plug, but there's a book on the topic called Share the Care. Um, I'm sure mm-hmm. you're familiar with it. By, um, yes, Kathy. we actually had, uh, we did have um, the author on, on our radio show. Sheila? Sheila Warnock, yes. Yes, yes. She, and look at that book, um, organizes the actual physical process. And as a psychologist, I can tell you, people often come to me psychologically for um, therapy and for on what, you know, how they can cope with and deal with issues. And often all I can do is offer that safe place for them to talk about what's going on. And certainly I recommend that to anybody that wants to do that. Mm-hmm. They can, you know, I, I, I do that and I have lots of people that I work with around that. Um, rarely do I have an opportunity. They also hand them something physical that they, if they actually would read it, it's a roadmap, you know. And I'm sure there are others out there, other books that are out there, but it's a roadmap to the actual task because so much of the stress of family caregiving, so much of the stress of a lot of things in life come from our lack of awareness or knowing what to actually physically, behaviorally do. And when and where we can give people stuff to do that will actually make a change, we should always offer that. And I think as a psychological treatment, that's a wonderful thing to be able to provide to people. Um, Beyond that, even before you get to mental health treatment, I'm often recommending that people, you know, in in that that stage of uh, sharing the care or of actually eliciting their social support is begin to talk about it 
and express what you're feeling, what you're thinking with those around you who care about you. And and mm-hmm. that process of sharing what you're going through and talking about it can lead to brainstorming an organization that actually helps elicit the support that you're going to need in the long haul to get through um, a caregiving process. Uh, so, those, so there are resources, books are available on the topic, Share the Care, um, Kathy Casella and Sheila Wanak is a book um, that I've read that I've used. Um, I would look for if you are dealing with the stressors or you don't have direct people that you can talk to, professional help to include people that specialize in dealing mm-hmm. with stress management, um, dealing with life balance, people that, you know, some people out there that even myself included specifically focus on family caregiving. And it really helps to find people who have gone through it because there's nothing like being able to talk about it from that perspective. Um, uh, there's a series, um, I've actually, if you go to my website, com, there's a series of radio programs where each program actually focused on an expert in the family caregiving space. Um, and that I did. Just go to askdrfritz.com and go to the uh, um, podcast. It, it, it's there, free of charge. And um, um, I mean, I could say more about that, but... Uh, um, I think <laughs> I think again that uh, there, there there are a lot of resources. Emblem Health, a company that sponsored that series, um, also has a family caregiving um, division, and I think you can also access that through their site. Great, thank you, Dr. Fritz. It's been an absolute pleasure having you as a guest, and um, I want to share your website with our um, with our listeners today. It's called www.askdrfritz.com, F-R-I-T-Z.com. I'd mm-hmm. like to thank our audience for tuning in today, and we would invite you to join us next time on Tuesday, November 4th at 2 p.m. Eastern for our Caregiver Speak radio show with Marjorie Pabst. Marjorie is the president of the Pabst Foundation, and she will talk about how families can use the arts to help loved ones with dementia. To learn more about eCare Diary and our upcoming shows, visit www.ecarediary.com. Registration is free and gives you immediate access to your personal care diary tool. You can also find us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. My Twitter address is eCare underscore diary. Thank you, Dr. Fritz, and thank you, everyone thank you. else, for joining us today. Thank you so much. Thank you. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.